In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Oh, the prodigal son, it's a good story. I was excited about this one. This story of abundant love and forgiveness is one that we know very well, but I found it very interesting as I was doing some research for today that early church leaders, and for hundreds of years, feared this gospel story because this story is just a little too abundant. This story is just a little too good. People were afraid that if everyone thought they could do bad stuff and be forgiven, that the church wouldn't quite have as much authority as it should. You know, the problem is, if your currency is holding on to forgiveness and deciding when and who gets it and where, a story like this can really undermine your authority. Now consider this story. We have three main characters. It's quite simple. We've got the father and the older son and the younger son. And the father seems like really a tragic character, right? Giving up half of his wealth to his younger son, this son who wants to go away and spread his wings and do something fun. And the father just lets him go, cuts his wealth in half. And back then, this was not theoretical wealth. This was land, these were herds, these were physical things that the father would have had to divest himself in in order to give this young son the money. And so this young son goes off, and we know the story, right? He squanders all of this wealth, he loses it, and he finds himself with the pigs and the slop. And the way the story has been told, and the way that I certainly heard it when I was younger, is that the young son looking at the pig slop is repentant for all of the wrong stuff that he did and then went home to his father to apologize and his father loved him. Except, if we really look at what the story says, this young son is never actually repentant. If we look at how Luke tells this story, this young son came to himself and then went home to his father. Never does the young son say he's sorry. Never does the story say that he is repentant. And yet the father comes out and loves him anyway. Now, when I heard this story, I wanted the young son to be repentant. I wanted him to be sorry. I wanted to believe that he was genuine. But then I remember that Luke, the gospel writer, is the master storyteller. Luke does not make mistakes. Luke uses words very precisely. And if Luke did not say that this young son was repentant, then we have to read it as if perhaps he wasn't. Which takes us to the end of the story. The end of the story is pretty phenomenal. It's kind of even unbelievable. This act of love and forgiveness when the young son returns before he can even finish what he has to say, the father comes out and he throws his arms around him and he offers him love and forgiveness that he didn't even ask for. Then, enter the older son. Now, this is the son we often forget about. If you look at art or if you hear people talk about this story, it's always about the young son who did this bad thing coming home and the father loving him. And we forget that the older son, the older son comes over, the older son who has done right his whole life, and he is not happy about the way that his father has treated his brother. 
This young, this older son might be the most compelling character for us in this story. You see, it's difficult to read the story and not relate to somebody. And in fact, most of us, if we're honest, can probably relate a little bit to at least all three characters at different parts of our lives. So let's make sure we know the context of this story. Remember, Jesus is telling this story to a group of people in a certain place at a certain time, and it's important that we know where Jesus is and why he may be telling the story in this particular way. Now, Jewish leaders of the day would have held the idea of following rules very high. The Jewish leaders of the day would have wanted everyone to follow rules. They themselves prided themselves on following lots of specific rules, and the rules were critical for being in right relationship with God. Those rules were important to create the religious authority that they held. So perhaps Jesus tells this story because he's hopeful that all the sinners of the day, all the people who are not following the rules, will at some point come to their senses, will at some point find themselves in some place that is so desperate, where things have gotten so low, that even the worst of the sinners out there will figure out that they have to be sorry for the life that they led and come back to those who can offer them forgiveness. Or... Perhaps, just maybe, Jesus is telling the story this particular way without noting the repentance of the young son because he might suspect that people love their rules so much that regardless of whether someone is repentant or not, if they've done bad enough, they simply won't be accepted regardless of whatever they do. At the end of the story, the older brother, the one who has followed the rules his whole life, who did what he was supposed to do, who didn't have all the fun that he probably wanted to have, who never threw caution to the wind, has an important decision to make. Will he be right or will he love his brother? Will he be right or will he reconcile with those that he should love. Now we love to be right. Oh my God, we love to be right. We own the right. How many of us have found ourselves in those situations where we know we are right and that person is wrong? The end. We are very proud of knowing what is right. And in this story, the older brother is right. He is absolutely right. There is no question that the younger brother has been awful, that he has squandered their wealth, <clears throat> that he has embarrassed their family. And when he returns, the older brother says exactly what is right. Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you. I have never disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back, you always know it's a problem when someone says, this son of yours. When this son of yours comes back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. This older son knows he is right. And he puts this right in the face of his father. And yet, his father shows him nothing but love too saying everything he has belongs to him. 
but we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This story is a gut punch because love makes no sense and forgiveness makes no sense and God makes no sense in this story. And even though we wanna be right all the time, Jesus' story today says we don't have to be right, that we don't have to be good all the time, that we don't have to, we can mess up, we can fall apart, that we can lose our way, and that even if we aren't actually repentant, even if we have not put ourselves back together, even if we are not sorry, that God loves us always and in all ways. This story teaches us that even those around us who aren't right, or who aren't good, or who aren't put together, that God loves them too, always. God loves, always. God loves each one of us, regardless of whether we are right or wrong. God loves each and every one of us here, and God calls us to love each and every other person, always. Love can be hard, love can be confusing, and love is certainly messy. But God tells us not to worry, to love anyway. And I, for one, am very grateful that he shows us how. Amen.